everyone, welcome to the show. My name is Emily. And I'm Paige. And today we're reading Chapter 7 of Breaking Dawn, Unexpected Live. And you're listening to Tuesdays Are for Twilight. What's good? How are you? Oh, I'm I'm doing great. I worked for like five hours today. I'm making pizza casserole for freaking dinner tonight. I mean, it's just a classic Tuesday. I asked Paige to drop the recipe. You should post it on our story. Then we'll be like, we'll be foodies. We'll, we're now food creators, content creators. I'm going to say like there really isn't a recipe. You just cook pasta and then you mix it in a bowl with pizza sauce. I literally use Ragu brand pizza sauce. Um, and then you put it in a casserole dish and then sprinkle the top with mozzarella cheese and then any pizza topping that you like. I like pepperoni, mushroom, black olive, but do whatever you want. And then you pop it in the oven at like, I don't even remember. I'm probably going to do like 400 for 30 minutes. Broil it, give it a little little char on top for the last five minutes. And that, it's, that's it. Like, there's nothing, there's nothing crazy about it. Well, you better at least post a picture of it on our story so that we can still say that we're food content creators. Okay. Okay. I'll see what I can do. Um, I have to know, did you like the Squidward meme that I chose to announce your birthday? I mean, obviously. I'm very pro a Squidward meme. I liked the chaotic energy of it. I like how squiggly it was. <laughs> Tell us about your birthday. How was it? It was really good. Um, my birthday was on Sunday. On Saturday, a couple of my friends, including Emily, came to, to where I live and we went to like my favorite cider pub slash brewery and hung out for a couple hours and that was really fun and my mom and my sister came up and we got lunch that was really nice and then for my actual birthday I Danny and I literally sat at home the whole day except once when I left and got popcorn at the movies and didn't go to see a movie that was great um, he connected all of my consoles to the TV that my roommate brought. Um, so that was, I'm a big acts of service girly. So that was like amazing birthday gift. And then yesterday on Monday, I took that day off from work and we went to Micro Center, a big computer superstore. And we got some things for my computer. I got a second monitor. I got a headphone stand, some lights. And yeah, I'm like kind of like all set up now if I want to start streaming. So that's pretty exciting. That's what I was going to ask. Are you going to stream? I would really love to. One of my um, old slash good friends from Chipotle does streaming and I've been watching her streams and she's like, I'm going to support you. Like if you start streaming and maybe she'll maybe she'll like push me to the top, baby. Who knows? Yeah, that'd be rad. Would you be down to tell the listeners, like, how to find you on stream? Yeah, I, I mean, I have a Twitch account right now, but there's nothing on it. So, like, you can follow me. I think my name, my name is Paige or Pog, P-O-G. Um, no capital letters or any spaces. I mean, you're more than welcome to follow me, but there's nothing going on on that. So, if I do stri- start streaming, I'll maybe I'll, you know, like give the give the times and days and whatnot but so far there's nothing in the works yet I have to learn how to do OBS first which is like its own beast yeah yeah I vaguely kind of know what you're talking about just because of I know stuff about video production so 
That's the only comment I have. Because the only thing I ever play is Papa's Pizzeria. I, that is the the biggest tragedy of 2022. Actually, when did it happen? Last year, 2021? Yeah, I think so. Very sad. Do we have anything else to cover at the top here? Um, We got a really nice Instagram message from someone else named Emily, who will be the prime Emily. No, I'm just kidding. There's room enough for all of us. I, so when I was getting the notifications on my phone, I, I was having like a, I was so confused. I thought that you were sending yourself messages like on your personal Instagram to the to like I forgot that there are other people named Emily I was very I was very confused for a little bit um we're just kidding though because Emily sent us the nicest message about how she found our podcast and she's catching up so thank you glad to have you yes Emily it's I I believe Emily sent me a a nice little birthday wish and it was like you joined and you're immediately nice to me. So obviously we like you. Yeah, so many people were were so nice about your birthday. It was nice to see. I know. Thanks to everyone for all the all the shout outs and nice messages. I I'm sure you know, so you've listened to last week's episode, you know how much I'm a little slut for birthday attention. Uh it's Leo season, baby. I don't know if anyone else feels this way. I've always chalked it to being a Leo, but the moment my birthday passes, I feel completely drained. I'm like, I'm, it's like night and fucking day. And I think it's because like the attention is like no longer, I can't, I can't demand the attention. The birthday has come and gone. Yeah. I don't like attention as much on my birthday. I also feel drained, but I feel like it's kind of because mine's two days after Christmas. So it's just like a lot. But then it's like the new year in four days. So then I'm like, well, there's that too. I don't know. It's a lot. It is a lot. Should we hit a recommendations corner? Yes. My recommendations corner is tied to something I've already talked about already. Um, so mine is, if you can, I'm sorry, Emily, this does not apply to you. Um, if you can go into your bag of mozzarella cheese and just pull out like a pinch of it and eat it. I love doing that. That is like my favorite snack is just like a pinch of mozzarella cheese. It is the most delicious snack. Sometimes I'll put a couple pinches into a little Tupperware and I'll take that in my room. I guess my recommendations corner is mozzarella cheese. Um, two things. A, I'm dying at how different our recommendations are this week. <laughs> I guess mine's not that at all. Um, but also I can do that. People are always like, sorry, you can't. I'm like, I can. I just have to deal with the consequences, which is my own business. <laughs> that is very fair. I, I, I guess that I, the way to rephrase it is consequence free. I'm so you can't do this consequence free. Fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. Um, I'm recommending an app once again, but it is a fitness app. Um, and I am obsessed with it. <laughs> Paige is covering her face. I swear I didn't plan this ahead of time. Or I did plan it ahead of time, not to shame you for your mozzarella cheese recommendation. <laughs> a lot of people work out so that they can eat what they want. So work out and eat, work out enough that you can have a couple pinches of mozzarella cheese. Yeah, this is a perfect pair. <laughs> um, 
I hate to be this girly, but I do follow a few fitness influencers on TikTok and Instagram. Only the non-toxic ones, because I can't fuck with toxic people. But one of my favorite, her name is Kylie Ross. She played soccer at Baylor. And as a college soccer player myself, I like can really relate to her. And like her workouts are really similar. Like she draws upon like things that I did too when I was younger. So yeah, I just she's one of my faves. She created her own app. It's called Healthies, H-E-A-L-T. H-I-E-S. That was harder than it should have been. Um, and it's really, really cool. It has like all different types of workouts. You can just hit random and it'll spit out a workout for you. Basically, it takes the planning out of the whole fitness thing. It has cool downs. It has warm ups. It has some recipes. It has a little grocery list where you can like just make your grocery list in the app and use it at the store. I just love it. Look it up. It's on the App Store. I don't think it's on Android yet. Um, but yeah, I would highly recommend for my fitness girlies, boys, and days. Great. I support you supporting the app. Love, love to support like a creator, you know? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. And it's like, I feel like sometimes creators just get so big that I would rather support someone smaller and like know that like they're really going to value me as a supporter. And I don't know, just like it's, it's, it's the same feeling as shopping locally and supporting the local economy. Okay. I do got to put a disclaimer that this girl is rich as fuck. (laughs) So she doesn't need me, (laughs) but never mind. (laughs) She's a Gymshark girly. So, you know, she getting paid, but anyways. She, I, it's just cool because she's like a hard worker. She also started a supplement company. So like, she's like doing it. Cause I feel like a lot of people in the fitness space just kind of ride their looks into the sunset, which that's fine. Lucky you. But she's like actually a businesswoman. Like she runs two companies. You know what I mean? Is she Capricorn? I don't know. You should find out. All right, I will. <laughs> okay. So we are reading. Chapter 7, Unexpected, this week, live. So we have no thoughts to share up top. Oh, oh, maybe you do. I don't think you do, though. I'm just, I'm excited to hear why this warranted a live read. All right, you're about to find out. Um, Normally, when we do a live reading, I read the chapter beforehand, take a few notes on, like, stuff I want to point out. This weekend was crazy, so I didn't do that. I mean, I know what happens, and I did skim it beforehand to find, like, good stopping points, but you are getting raw and semi-raw, semi-thawed reactions. Raw slash semi-thawed. I love that. Yeah, it didn't really make sense, but it did in my brain. Tag yourself, I'm raw. (laughs) Okay. So normally when we do these live readings, Skype for some reason does not like it when one person talks the entire time. And so I end up cutting out a lot and it makes for a lot of work for Paige and I on the back end. We do reshoots every week of things that cut out, but on these weeks it's like usually a lot more, like a lot more. So what I'm going to do is record myself on voice memos on my phone so it'll sound really clear. And then, um, like, I won't, I'll put that in the episode, so it'll sound, like, a lot clearer than we would normally sound, but I won't, like, cut out anything that Paige says or any Paige reactions, like, 
for those parts, we'll go back to the Skype recording. So hopefully that makes for a better experience for all of us. Yeah, I mean, I if you want to do like, are, are you saying that you're going to just read the whole thing on voice memo and then for our conversations, cut back to Skype? Yep. Okay, cool. Cool, 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 cool. Okay. Chapter seven, unexpected. The line of black advanced on me through the shroud-like mist. I could see their dark ruby eyes glinting with desire, lusting for the kill. Their lips pulled back over their sharp, wet teeth, some to snarl, some to smile. I heard the child behind me whimper, but I couldn't turn to look at him. Though I was desperate to be sure that he was safe, I could not afford any lapse in focus now. They ghosted closer, their black robes billowing slightly with the movement. I saw their hands curl into bone-colored claws. They started to drift apart, angling to come at us from all sides. We were surrounded. We were going to die. And then, like a burst of light from a flash, the whole scene was different. Yet nothing changed. The Volturi still stalked toward us, poised to kill. All that really changed was how the pictures looked to me. Suddenly, I was hungry for it. I wanted them to charge. The panic changed to bloodlust as I crouched forward, a smile on my face, and a growl ripped through my bared teeth. I jolted upright, shocked out of the dream. The room was black. It was also steamy hot. Sweat matted my hair at the temples and rolled down my throat. I groped the worn sheets and found them empty. Edward? Just then, my fingers encountered something smooth and flat and stiff. One sheet of paper folded in half. I took the note with me and felt my way across the room to the light switch. The outside of the note was addressed to Mrs. Cullen. I'm hoping you won't wake and notice my absence, but if you should, I'll be back very soon. I've just gone to the mainland to hunt. Go back to sleep and I'll be here when you wake again. I love you. I sighed. We'd been here about two weeks now, so I should have been expecting that he would have to leave, but I hadn't been thinking about time. We seem to exist outside of time here, just drifting along in a perfect state. I wiped the sweat off my forehead. I felt absolutely wide awake, though the clock on the dresser said it was after one. I knew I would never be able to sleep as hot and sticky as I felt. Not to mention the fact that if I shut off the light and closed my eyes, I was sure to see those prowling black figures in my head. I got up and wandered aimlessly through the dark house, flipping on lights. It felt so big and empty without Edward there. Different. I ended up in the kitchen and decided that maybe comfort food was what I needed. I poked around in the fridge until I found all the ingredients for fried chicken. The popping and sizzling of the chicken in the pan was a nice, homey sound. I felt less nervous while it filled the silence. It smelled so good that I started eating it right out of the pan, burning my tongue in the process. By the fifth or sixth bite, though, it had cooled enough for me to taste it. My chewing slowed. Was there something off about the flavor? I checked the meat, and it was white all the way through, but I wondered if it was completely done. I took another experimental bite. I chewed twice. Ugh, definitely bad. I jumped up to spit it into the sink. Suddenly, the chicken and oil smell was revolting. I took the whole plate and shook it into the garbage, then opened the windows to chase away the scent. A coolish breeze had picked up outside. It felt good on my skin. Paige is making a very sus face right now. I will continue. We have a break in page and a half. I was abruptly exhausted, but I didn't want to go back to the hot room. So I opened more windows in the TV room and lay on the couch right beneath them. 
I turned on the same movie we'd watched the other day and quickly fell asleep to the bright opening song. When I opened my eyes again, the sun was halfway up the sky, but it was not the light that woke me. Cool arms were around me, pulling me against him. At the same time, a sudden pain twisted in my stomach, almost like the aftershock of catching a punch in the gut. I'm sorry, Edward was murmuring as he wiped a wintry hand across my clammy forehead. So much for thoroughness. I didn't think about how hot you would be with me gone. I'll have an air conditioner installed before I leave again. I couldn't concentrate on what he was saying. Excuse me, I gasped, struggling to get free of his arms. He dropped his hold automatically. Bella? I streaked for the bathroom with my hand clamped over my mouth. I felt so horrible that I didn't even care, at first, that he was with me while I crouched over the toilet and was violently sick. Bella, what's wrong? I couldn't answer yet. He held me anxiously, keeping my hair out of my face, waiting till I could breathe again. Damn rancid chicken, I moaned. Are you all right? His voice was strained. Fine, I panted. It's just food poisoning. You don't need to see this. Go away. Not likely, Bella. Go away, I moaned again, struggling to get up so I could rinse my mouth out. He helped me gently, ignoring the weak shoves I aimed at him. After my mouth was clean, he carried me to the bed and sat me down carefully, supporting me with his arms. Food poisoning? Yeah, I croaked. I made some chicken last night. It tasted off, so I threw it out, but I ate a few bites first. He put a cold hand on my forehead. It felt nice. How do you feel now? I thought about that for a moment. The nausea had passed as suddenly as it had come, and I felt like I did any other morning. Pretty normal. A little hungry, actually. He made me wait an hour and keep down a big glass of water before he fried me some eggs. I felt perfectly normal, just a little tired from being up in the middle of the night. He put on CNN. We'd been so out of touch, World War III could have broken out and we wouldn't have known. And I lounged drowsily across his lap. I got bored with the news and twisted around to kiss him. Just like this morning, a sharp pain hit my stomach when I moved. I lurched away from him, my hand tight over my mouth. I knew I'd never make it to the bathroom this time, so I ran to the kitchen sink. He held my hair again. Maybe we should go back to Rio, see a doctor, he suggested anxiously when I was rinsing my mouth afterward. I shook my head and edged toward the hallway. Doctors meant needles. I'll be fine right after I brush my teeth. When my mouth tasted better, I searched in my suitcase for the little first aid kit Alice had packed for me, full of human things like bandages and painkillers and my object now, Pepto-Bismol. Maybe I could settle my stomach and calm Edward down. But before I found the Pepto, I happened across something else that Alice had packed for me. I picked up the small blue box and stared at it in my hand for a long moment, forgetting everything else. Pause. <laughs> That's weird. That's suspicious. The face you've been making this entire time is cracking me up. I just like, it's very clear to me what's going on. Um, when you were reading this as a child, was it clear to you? No. So this was like, this was unexpected for you. This, this was a bomb being dropped. I, I mean, you know, as an adult and uh, as a woman adult, I'm very familiar with the symptoms of pregnancy. Um, so like, it's really not shocking to me, but like, I am imagining the shock that went across the nation 
the night that Breaking Dawn was released. <laughs> Shockwaves. Because, like, this is only chapter seven. It is very feasible that people got to this point in the first night of reading. Especially because they raced through the sexy time. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They in- they gobbled that content right on up. Oh, girly, we are just getting started. I Just another thing. I really commend her for just waking up in the middle of the night and just literally frying homemade fried chicken. That's awesome. That I mean, I've I've never personally made homemade fried chicken, and I'm sure it's absolutely fucking delicious. So, like, props to freaking Bella. Yeah, I've also never fried chicken. That always astounded me. And it's sad that I read this when I was 12, didn't know how to fry chicken. Now 26, still don't know how to fry chicken. <laughs> I... I've fried some things because with being obviously gluten intolerant, um, I can't have a lot of fried things. My favorite seasonal item to eat is green bean casserole. So my mom found a gluten-free fried onion recipe um, on the internet. And so now I like I've done it before. So that's really the only thing that I fried is like homemade fried onions. And even then it was gluten free. So like not the best it could be. Yeah, it frightens me. I hate when the oil splatters. It po- it's popping. Ugh. It's popping right onto my arm where it's going to hurt. Mm-hmm. Which is not popping. <laughs> All right, we're going to go another four ish pages. Okay. Then I started counting in my head once. Twice. Again. The knock startled me. The little box fell back into the suitcase. Are you well? Edward asked through the door. Did you get sick again? Yes and no, I said, but my voice sounded strangled. Bella, can I please come in? Worriedly now. Okay. He came in and appraised my position, sitting cross-legged on the floor by the suitcase, and my expression, blank and staring. He sat next to me, his hand going to my forehead at once. What's wrong? How many days has it been since the wedding? I whispered. Seventeen, he answered automatically. Bella, what is it? I was counting again. I held up a finger, cautioning him to wait, and mouthed mouthed the numbers to myself. I'd been wrong about the days before. We'd been here longer than I'd thought. I started over again. Bella, he whispered urgently. I'm losing my mind over here. I tried to swallow. It didn't work. So I reached into the suitcase and fumbled around until I found the little blue box of tampons again. I held them up silently. He stared at me in confusion. What? Are you trying to pass this illness off as PMS? No, I managed to choke out. No, Edward. I'm trying to tell you that my period is five days late. His facial expression didn't change. Hold on. Page needs to react. Hold on. I was right. That's all I have to say. Okay. His facial expression didn't change. It was like I hadn't spoken. I don't think I have food poisoning, I added. He didn't respond. He had turned into a sculpture. The dreams, I mumbled to myself in a flat voice. Sleeping so much. The crying. All that food. Oh. 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 Edward's stare seemed glassy as if he couldn't see me anymore. Reflexively, almost involuntarily, my hand dropped to my stomach. Oh, I squeaked again. I lurched to my feet, slipping out of Edward's unmoving hands. 
I'd never changed out of the little silk shorts and camisole I'd worn to bed. I, I yanked the blue fabric out of the way and stared at my stomach. Impossible, I whispered. I had absolutely no experience with pregnancy or babies or any part of that world, but I wasn't an idiot. I'd seen enough movies and TV shows to know that this wasn't how it worked. I was only five days late. If I was pregnant, my body wouldn't have even registered that fact. I would not have morning sickness. I would not have changed my eating or sleeping habits. And I most definitely would not have a small but defined bump sticking out between my hips. I twisted my torso back and forth, examining it from every angle, as if it would disappear in exactly the right light. I ran my fingers over the subtle bulge, surprised by how rock hard it felt under my skin. Impossible, I said again, because bulge or no bulge, period or no period, and there was definitely no period, though I'd never been late a day in my life, there was no way I could be pregnant. The only person I'd ever had sex with was a vampire, for crying out loud. A vampire who was still frozen on the floor with no sign of ever moving again. So there had to be some other explanation then, something wrong with me. A strange South American disease with all the signs of pregnancy only accelerated. And then I remembered something, a morning of internet research that seemed a lifetime ago now. Sitting at the old desk in my room at Charlie's house, with gray light glowing dully through the window, staring at my ancient, wheezing computer, reading avidly through a website called Vampires A to Z. It had been less than 24 hours since Jacob Black, trying to entertain me with the Quilly legends he didn't believe in yet, had told me that Edward was a vampire. I'd scanned anxiously through the first entries on the site, which was dedicated to vampire myths around the world. Okay, sorry about these uh, pronunciations ahead of time. The Filipino Danag, the Hebrew Estri, the Romanian Vera Colasi, the Italian Stragoni Benefici, a legend actually based on my new father-in-law's early exploits with the Volturi, not that I'd known anything about that at the time. I paid less and less attention as the stories had grown more and more implausible. I only remembered vague bits of the later entries. They mostly seemed like excuses dreamed up to explain things like infant mortality rates and infidelity. No, honey, I'm not having an affair. That sexy woman you saw sneaking out of the house was an evil succubus. I'm lucky I escaped with my life. Of course, with what I knew now about Tanya and her sisters, I expected that some of those excuses had been nothing but fact. There had been one for the ladies, too. How can you accuse me of cheating on you? Just because you've come home from a two-year sea voyage and I'm pregnant? It was the incubus. He hypnotized me with his mystical vampire powers. That had been part of the definition of the incubus, the ability to father children with his hapless prey. I shook my head, dazed. But... I thought of Esme and especially Rosalie. Vampires couldn't have children. If it were possible, Rosalie would have found a way by now. The incubus myth was nothing but a fable. Except that, well, there was a difference. Of course Rosalie could not conceive a child, because she was frozen in the state in which she passed from human to inhuman, totally unchanging. And human women's bodies had to change to bear children. The constant change of a monthly cycle, for one thing, and then the bigger changes needed to accommodate a growing child. Rosalie's body couldn't change. But mine could. Mine did. I touched the bump on my stomach that had not been there yesterday. And human men, well, they pretty much stayed the same from puberty to death. I remembered a random bit of trivia gleaned from who knows where. Charlie Chaplin was in his 70s when he fathered his youngest child. Men had no such thing as childbearing years or cycles of fertility. 
Of course, how would anyone know if vampire men could father children when their partners were not able? What vampire on earth would have the restraint necessary to test this theory with a human woman, or the inclination? I could think of only one. Part of my head was sorting through fact and memory and speculation, while the other half, the part that controlled the ability to move even the smallest muscles, was stunned beyond the capacity for normal operations. I couldn't move my lips to speak, though I wanted to ask Edward to please explain to me what was going on. I needed to go back to where he sat to touch him, but my body wouldn't follow instructions. I could only stare at my shocked eyes in the mirror, my fingers ginger gingerly pressed against the swelling on my torso. And then, like in my vivid nightmare last night, the scene abruptly transformed. Everything I saw in the mirror looked completely different, though nothing actually was different. What happened to change everything was that a soft little nudge bumped my hand from inside my body. Pause. Stephanie did really hit everything that was going in my head. She really, she she did an okay job cleaning up the mess she just created in my head. Because the first thing I thought was Bella definitely, like, like accurately, I was like, she does not know how pregnancy works because I don't think that Bella should be experiencing these symptoms with how far along she would be. And then she was like, don't worry, I know, I know, I'm addressing that right now. And then also me thinking like, how is it possible that an unliving being created life and she kind of cleaned that up I I don't I still don't know about the living sperm thing I don't know that doesn't really translate but her reasoning makes enough sense that I can kind of kind of wrap my head around it and I like the thought that the myths of of your have validity in this world that like maybe there were weird vampire human babies out there that's kind of crazy and fun to think about I am just also dead at um Edward's reaction because like this is just I feel like a very typical male reaction to finding out that your partner is pregnant yes it really is um yeah I'm not super satisfied with the explanation I kind of want to look it up in between this week and next week don't do it because you might hit spoilers or something but I'm sure she has explained it. My whole thing is, is like, how? If your kit, like, if none of your organs work, it just doesn't make sense to me. But. Yeah, I, like I said, it doesn't really explain it very well. It explains it enough that I can keep going. I, like, I'm like, okay, whatever you had to do to make this storyline work, sure. Like, okay, okay. Yeah, honestly, same. It's kind of like when she writes about cars and she's just like, I'm just going to put some words here and hope nobody looks too closely. Well, Emily and Paige here have a little magnifying glass and we are looking closely. <laughs> okay, so I have probably the longest section that I'm going to do next. And then we have one more after that. Um, got any Got any thoughts on what might happen next? I think they're going to go by pregnancy test. That's going to happen at some point is that 
Bella's going to take a pregnancy test and it's going to be like two lines. Whoa. Um, I honestly thought that that's what the box was that Alice packed, which I was like, damn, Alice. Okay, cool. Like she freaking knew and she kept it a secret, but she packed a little pregnancy test just in case. Um, but when it was tampons, I was like, okay, yeah, but no, that actually does make more sense in my head that she would think to pack that. Um, so I think maybe they'll take a pregnancy test. I think, I think Edward is going to like get, I, I think, I think she's trying to build suspense that like, maybe he's going to freak out. I mean, maybe he will, but I think, I think he's going to be happy. All right. Here we go. Okay. Um, just to bring you back, Bella just felt a kick in her belly. In the same moment, Edward's phone rang, shrill and demanding. Neither of us moved. It rang again and again. I tried to tune it out while I pressed my fingers to my stomach, waiting. In the mirror, my expression was no longer bewildered. It was wondering now. I barely noticed when the strange, silent tears started streaming down my cheeks. The phone kept ringing. I wished Edward would answer it. I was having a moment, possibly the biggest of my life. Ring, ring, ring. Finally, the annoyance broke through everything else. I got down on my knees next to Edward. I found myself moving more carefully, a thousand times more aware of the way each motion felt, and patted his pockets until I found the phone. I half expected him to thaw out and answer himself, but he was perfectly still. I recognized the number, and I could easily guess why she was calling. Hi, Alice, I said. My voice wasn't much better than before. I cleared my throat. Bella? Bella, are you okay? Yeah. Um, is Carlisle there? He is. What's the problem? I'm not 100% sure. Is Edward all right? She asked warily. She called Carlisle's name away from the phone and then demanded, why didn't he pick up the phone before I could answer her first question? I'm not sure. Bella, what's going on? I just saw... What did you see? There was a silence. Here's Carlisle, she finally said. It felt like ice water had been injected into my veins. If Alice had seen a vision with, of me with a green-eyed, angel-faced child in my arms, she would have answered me, wouldn't she? While I waited through the split second it took for Carlisle to speak, the vision I'd imagined for Alice danced behind my lids. A tiny, beautiful little baby, even more beautiful than the boy in my dream, a tiny Edward in my arms. Warmth shot through my veins, chasing the ice away. Bella, it's Carlisle. What's going on? I... I wasn't sure how to answer. Would he laugh at my conclusions, tell me I was crazy? Was I just having another colorful dream? I'm a little worried about Edward. Can vampires go into shock? Has he been harmed? Kyle's voice was suddenly urgent. No, no, I assured him, just taken by surprise. I don't understand, Bella. I think, well, I think that maybe I might be, I took a deep breath, pregnant. As if to back me up, there was another tiny nudge in my abdomen. My hand flew to my stomach. After a long pause, Carlisle's medical training kicked in. When was the first day of your last menstrual cycle? Sixteen days before the wedding. I'd done the mental math thoroughly enough just before to be able to answer with certainty. How do you feel? Weird, I told him, and my voice broke. Another trickle of tears dribbled down my cheeks. This is going to sound crazy. Look, I know it's way too early for any of this. Maybe I am crazy. 
but I'm having bizarre dreams and eating all the time and crying and throwing up and and I swear something moved inside me just now. Edward's head snapped up. I sighed in relief. Edward held his hand out for the phone, his face white and hard. Um, I think Edward wants to talk to you. Put him on, Carlisle said in a strained voice. Not entirely sure that Edward could talk, I put the phone into his outstretched hand. He pressed it to his ear. Is it possible, he whispered. He listened for a long time, staring blankly at nothing. And Bella, he asked. His arm wrapped around me as he spoke, pulling me close into his side. He listened for what seemed like a long time and then said, yes, yes, I will. He pulled the phone away from his ear and pressed the end button. Right away, he dialed a new number. What did Carlisle say? I asked impatiently. Edward answered in a lifeless voice. He thinks you're pregnant. The words sent a warm shiver down my spine. The little nudger fluttered inside me. Who are you calling now? I asked as he put the phone back to his ear. The airport. We're going home. Edward was on the phone for more than an hour without a break. I guessed that he was arranging our flight home, but I couldn't be sure because he wasn't speaking English. It sounded like he was arguing. He spoke through his teeth a lot. While he argued, he packed. He whirled around the room like an angry tornado, leaving order rather than destruction in his path. He threw a set of my clothes on the bed without looking at them, so I assumed it was time for me to get dressed. He continued with his argument while I changed, gesturing with sudden, agitated movements. When I could no longer bear the violent energy radiating out of him, I quietly left the room. His manic concentration made me sick to my stomach. Not like the morning sickness, just uncomfortable. I would wait somewhere else for his mood to pass. I couldn't talk to this icy, focused Edward who honestly frightened me a little. Once again, I ended up in the kitchen. There was a bag of pretzels in the cupboard. I started chewing on them absently, staring out the window at the sand and rocks and trees and ocean, everything glittering in the sun. Someone nudged me. I know, I said. I don't want to go either. I stared out the window for a moment, but the nudger didn't respond. I don't understand, I whispered. What is wrong here? Surprising? Absolutely. Astonishing, even. But wrong? No. So why was Edward so furious? He was the one who had actually wished out loud for a shotgun wedding. I tried to reason through it. Maybe it wasn't so confusing that Edward wanted us to go home right away. He'd want Carlisle to check me out, make sure my assumption was right, though there was absolutely no doubt in my head at this point. Probably they'd want to figure out why I was already so pregnant, with the bump and the nudging and all of that. That wasn't normal. Once I thought of this, I was sure I had it. He must be so worried about the baby. I hadn't gotten around to freaking out yet. My brain worked slower than his. It was still stuck marbling over the picture it had conjured up before. The tiny child with Edward's eyes, green as his had been when he was human, lying fair and beautiful in my arms. I hoped he would have Edward's face exactly, with no interference from mine. It was funny how abruptly and entirely necessary this vision had become. From the first little touch, the whole world had shifted. Where before there was just one thing I could not live without, now there were two. There was no division. My love was not split between them now. It wasn't like that. It was more like my heart had grown, swollen up to twice its size in that moment. All that extra space already filled. The increase was almost dizzying. I never really understood Rosalie's pain and resentment before. I'd never imagined myself a mother, never wanted that. It had been a piece of cake to promise Edward that I didn't care about giving up children for him, because I truly didn't. Children, in the abstract, had never appealed to me. 
They seemed to be loud creatures, often dripping some form of goo. I'd never had much to do with them. When I dreamed of Renee providing me with a brother, I'd always imagined an older brother, someone to take care of me rather than the other way around. This child, Edward's child, was a whole different story. I wanted him like I wanted air to breathe. Not a choice, a necessity. Maybe I just had a really bad imagination. Maybe that was why I'd been unable to imagine that I would like being married until after I already was. Unable to see that I would want a baby until after one was already coming. As I put my hand on my stomach, waiting for the next nudge, tears streaked down my cheeks again. Bella? I turned, made wary by the tone of his voice. It was too cold, too careful. His face matched his voice, empty and hard. And then he saw that I was crying. Bella, he crossed the room in a flash and put his hands on my face. Are you in pain? No, no. He pulled me against his chest. Don't be afraid. We'll be home in 16 hours. You'll be fine. Carlisle will be ready when we get there. We'll take care of this and you'll be fine. You'll be fine. Take care of this? What do you mean? He leaned away and looked me in the eye. We're going to get that thing out before it can hurt any part of you. Don't be scared. I won't let it hurt you. That thing? I gasped. He looked sharply away from me toward the front door. Damn it. I forgot Gustavo was due today. I'll get rid of him and be right back. He darted out of the room. I clutched the counter for support. My knees were wobbly. Edward had just called my little nudger a thing. He said Carlisle would get it out. No, I whispered. I'd gotten it wrong before. He didn't care about the baby at all. He wanted to hurt him. That beautiful picture in my head shifted, shifted abruptly, changed into something dark. My pretty baby crying, my weak arms not enough to protect him. What could I do? Would I be able to reason with them? What if I couldn't? Did this explain Alice's strange silence on the phone? Is that what she'd seen? Edward and Carlisle killing that pale, perfect child before he could live? No, I whispered again, my voice stronger. That could not be. I would not allow it. Okay, last break. Well, that took a twist. I was not anticipating that. I really genuinely thought that Edward was going to be super excited. Like she said, like he was the one who kind of expressed interest in maybe having a kid with Bella. I just don't, I guess like he didn't like think those things through or maybe he like in his mind what he was imagining was like he's not a vampire in this scenario like he'd like to do this if the circumstances were different um I I feel as though Bella once again is missing missing the point like I when she was talking about how he was, how do I want to phrase this? Like he was so worried and she misinterpreted it as he's worried for the health of the baby. In my mind, I'm like, he's very clearly thinking about you and worried about you. He definitely is not feeling this way because of the baby. Like his mind is thinking like, I mean, I don't know what a vampire, like, I'm imagining a vampire baby coming out of a woman and just, like, absolutely wrecking her. So, like, I feel like that's what is going through his mind right now. Um, so I feel like Bella kind of completely missed that. But, you know, mommy brain. Um, I'm also kind of, like, 
damn, she just like threw an abortion kind of twist in there. I like wasn't, I'm not surprised, but I am a little bit surprised. Like I didn't think that she, like they didn't say the word, but that's what they're getting at. I'm like, kind of like, wow that she put that in there and that Carlisle is just gonna do it like that's crazy I don't think that that's gonna I don't think that's gonna happen at all like I mean I know we've talked about this not being true but I think in this particular case I think that Carlisle would want to listen to Bella's consent in this like I don't think that they would do that to her when if she didn't want it so we'll see but I'm honestly kind of like a little surprised that this is even part like a storyline so yeah what are your thoughts on that I mean I know what's coming so it's hard to say um my thoughts generally right now that I can talk about are that this is unfortunately a really interesting time to be reading this book in American history because of the Supreme Court overturning a woman's right to abortion. Um, I mean, obviously there'll be time for us to get into all of this later, but there's so many layers with this and a lot of people have written on, you know, it's, there's the layer of like, Bella deserves a choice and she deserves to get what she wants because she's the one who's pregnant. There's also the idea that Bella was never characterized to be pregnant, that this, some people find this explanation that she just provided a little bit unbelievable, and that Stephanie is kind of hoisting Christian values onto her. There's a lot, there's a lot for discussion. Obviously, we are not to the point where we can fully get into that, but what do you think? I, one of the things that really went through my head is that I feel like that is something that is talked about in women who decide they don't want to have children or men who decide they never want to be a parent like they've and they've made that decision young I feel like a lot of times like doctors and just people in general will use that as a or use this idea that you you're gonna change your mind you don't know what you want right now you you're you're only going to know you want it when it happens and for i i would say a lot of people probably probably know what they want like i i personally have no interest in having children that is not something that i ever see myself in i don't see myself doing anything like that um and I don't think I will ever change my mind about that. I feel very resolute about that. And I think if I did get pregnant, I would not feel the way that Bella is feeling right now. I I resonate a lot with her past self and her past thoughts. And I just don't see that. I don't see the switch happening within me. So I was a little a little surprised hearing that, um, knowing that this is an idea that does get pushed around a lot by medical professionals, by people of certain religious backgrounds a- as a way of forcing reproductive choices onto people. Right. Yeah, I mean, we'll see where this goes and if your thoughts evolve or you have anything to add as we go along 
Um, not to make light of it, but kind of to, to bring a lighter mood to this. I'm sorry, but can you imagine what that baby was thinking the last, what, 16 days while Edward and Bella have been fucking relentlessly? Like, it probably was like, <laughs> I'm under attack right now. <laughs> I have one final thing, and... It's like kind of like an interesting thing in I hear it a lot in true crime media and just like history and stuff. But I could totally see Carlisle being an olden time doctor that has an abortion side hustle. Like there were all there were those doctors and stories that were doctors and then behind closed doors also ran behind-the-scenes abortion clinics, and I can kind of see that. I can kind of see that in Carlisle's past. I, like, I think he would do it in a I-want-to-help-people kind of a way, um, and I can kind of, I can kind of picture it. I don't know. I can't. I can't. I'm just, like, like, the fact that they're putting Carlisle in this position that he would know how to do this and is able to do this. I'm just like, why do they think and assume that? You know, I mean, I that it, it just makes sense in my head, given the way that they've framed everything. I see what you're getting at. I just feel like he's so anti-death, like to the point where he was going to die. And, you know, people on both sides argue that it's not killing. You know, I personally don't believe that it is, but I feel like he would think that that was killing a life. So I just, to me, that's like, that's what he would draw the line. I could see that. I could see that. I, you know, it's, I guess I didn't take the, historically the past Carlisle into, into my, into my thoughts. I was just kind of like taking the information given in this chapter and applying it. Yeah, totally. I totally get where you're coming from. We have five pages left. Okay. All right. I heard Edward speaking Portuguese again, arguing again. His voice got closer, and I heard him grunt in exasperation. Then I heard another voice, low and timid, a woman's voice. He came into the kitchen ahead of her and went straight to me. He wiped the tears from my cheeks and murmured into my ear through the thin, hard line of his lips. She's insisting on leaving the food she brought. She made us dinner. If he had been less tense, less furious, I knew he would have rolled his eyes. It's an excuse. She wants to make sure I haven't killed you yet. His voice went ice cold at the end. Quare edged nervously around the corner with a covered dish in her hands. I wish I could speak Portuguese or that my Spanish was less rudimentary so that I could try to thank this woman who had dared to anger a vampire just to check on me. Her eyes flickered between the two of us. I saw her measuring the color in my face, the moisture in my eyes. Mumbling something I didn't understand, she put the dish on the counter. Edward snapped something at her. I'd never heard him be so impolite before. She turned to go, and the whirling motion of her long skirt wafted the smell of the food into my face. It was strong, onions and fish. I gagged and whirled for the sink. I felt Edward's hands on my forehead and heard his soothing murmur through the roaring in my ears. His hands disappeared for a second, and I heard the refrigerator slam shut. Mercifully, the smell disappeared with the sound, and Edward's hands were cooling my clammy face again. It was over quickly.
I rinsed my mouth in the tap while he caressed the side of my face. There was a tentative little nudge in my womb. It's okay. We're okay, I thought toward the bump. Edward turned me around, pull pulling me into his arms. I rested my head on his shoulder. My hands instinctively folded over my stomach. I heard a little gasp, and I looked up. The woman was still there, hesitating in the doorway with her hands half outstretched, as if she had been looking for some way to help. Her eyes were locked on my hands, popping wide with shock. Her mouth hung open. Then Edward gasped, too, and he suddenly turned to face the woman, pushing me slightly behind his body. His arm wrapped around my torso like he was holding me back. Suddenly, Quaria was shouting at him, loudly, furiously, her unintelligible words flying across the room like knives. She raised her tiny fist in the air and took two steps forward, shaking it at him. Despite her ferocity, it was easy to see the terror in her eyes. Edward stepped toward her, too, and I clutched at his arm, frightened for the woman. But when he interrupted her tirade, he took me by surprise, especially considering how sharp he'd been with her when she wasn't screeching at him. It was low now. It was pleading. Not only that, but the sound was different, more guttural, the cadence off. I didn't think he was speaking, speaking Portuguese anymore. For a moment, the woman stared at him in wonder, and then her eyes narrowed as she barked out a long question in the same alien tongue. I watched as his face grew sad and serious, and he nodded once. She took a quick step back and crossed herself. He reached out to her, gesturing toward me and then resting his hand against my cheek. She replied angrily again, waving her hands accusingly toward him, and then gestured to him. When she finished, he pleaded again with the same low, urgent voice. Her expression changed. She stared at him with doubt plain on her face as he spoke, her eyes repeatedly flashing to my confused face. He stopped speaking, and she seemed to be deliberating something. She looked back and forth between the two of us, and then, unconsciously it seemed, took a step forward. She made a motion with her hands, miming a shape like a balloon jetting out from her stomach. I started. Did her, legendary, did her legends of the predatory blood drinker include this? Could she possibly know something about what was growing inside me? She walked a few steps forward deliberately this time and asked a few brief questions, which she responded to tensely. Then he became the questioner, one quick query. She hesitated and then slowly shook her head. When he spoke again, his voice was so agonized that I looked up at him in shock. His face was drawn, his face was drawn with pain. In answer, she walked slowly forward until she was close enough to lay her small hand on top of mine over my stomach. She spoke one word in Portuguese. Morte, she sighed quietly. Then she turned, her shoulders bent as if the conversation had aged her, and left the room. I knew enough Spanish for that one. Edward was frozen again, staring after her with the tortured expression fixed on his face. A few moments later, I heard a boat's engine putter to life, and then fade into distance, into the distance. Edward did not move until I started for the bathroom. Then his hand caught my shoulder. Where are you going? His voice was a whisper of pain. To brush my teeth again. Don't worry about what she said. It's nothing but legend. Old lies for the sake of entertainment. I didn't understand anything, I told him, though it wasn't entirely true. As if I could discount something because it was a legend. My life was circled by legend on every side. They were all true. I packed your toothbrush. I'll get it for you. He walked ahead of me to the bedroom. Are we leaving soon? I called after him. As soon as you're done. He waited for my toothbrush to repack it, pacing silently around the bedroom. I handed it to him when I was finished. 
I'll get the bags into the boat. Edward, you turned back. Yes? I hesitated, trying to think of some way to get a few seconds alone. Could you pack some of the food? You know, in case I get hungry again? Of course, he said, his eyes suddenly soft. Don't worry about anything. We'll get to Carlisle in just a few hours, really. This will all be over soon. I nodded, not trusting my voice. He turned and left the room, one big suitcase in each hand. I whirled and scooped up the phone he'd left on the counter. It was very unlike him to forget things, to forget that Gustavo was coming, to leave his phone lying here. He was so stressed he was barely himself. I flipped it open and scrolled through the pre-programmed numbers. I was glad he had the sound turned off, afraid that he would catch me. Would he be at the boat now? Or back already? Would he hear me from the kitchen if I whispered? I found the number I wanted, one I had never called before in my life. I pressed the send button and crossed my fingers. Hello? The voice like golden wind chimes answered. Rosalie, I whispered. It's Bella. Please, you have to help me. End of chapter. Wow, that, that was a lot. Um, I do have to say, started off kind of devastating. Um, I stand by Quare. I love her. The fact that she made food, like, can you imagine how delicious this fucking food is? You said fish, you said onions. I'm like, sign me up for both, baby. I, I want to gobble that food down. But then, obviously, it was just, like, a smell kind of a thing, and she's pregnant, so, like, she threw up. But that, if it were me, and, I mean, Quarry is in a completely different situation. I'm sure she's not devastated. I would be devastated. I was devastated hearing that. There, have you seen the movie, um, I think it's called All the Devil All the Time? The Devil All the Time? I believe it's All the Devil All the Time. I know that there's one that Robert Pattinson is in called The Devil All the Time. Correct. That is, that's the one that I'm referencing. Okay. I have not seen it. Okay. Well, it's actually ironic because uh, Robert Pattinson's character is in the scene that I'm about to talk about. He plays the pastor, the new pastor of this um, town. And the main family that the story centers around, Tom Holland's family, they're very poor, and the mom makes um, liver and onions, which is historically like a, a a meal that doesn't cost a lot, so it's associated with poverty and just like not being good. And so she makes liver and onions for the pastor during a potluck, and he, Robert Pattinson um, puts a bite in his mouth and then like spits it out into a napkin like he's disgusted by it and it the reaction of the mom is one of it, it destroyed me it was so hard to watch and that is what this reminded me of I'm sure Quarry isn't devastated but I just hated reading or hated hearing that yeah so offensive I it's so sweet that she it's like Bella said she was like went up against this creature that she knows that you know to her is very dangerous and like just to check on someone she doesn't even know yeah I she's the best I love her um I want to know like what this conversation was in Portuguese like there's Edward really doesn't show his hand here so I genuinely don't know I mean obviously Morte is death or dead or something along those lines 
Um, that's pretty obvious. So I don't know if she's saying like this baby is undead. If she's saying that I don't think the baby itself is the like the fetus is dead because Bella can feel it kicking around. So I'm I guess she's saying that as like this is this is a undead creature within you. This is death inside of you right now. Um, but I want to know, I want to know the conversation before. I want to know what they were saying. Do we get any kind of clarification in that in the future? No, I mean, I have my theories, but I'm sure that they're influenced by what does end up happening. So I'm just curious if you have any theories. I mean, I guess, I guess what Bella kind of suspected that maybe he's prying, uh, or like trying to ask about the lore that she knows, um, perhaps like what's in store for Bella and him and this baby maybe like trying to find out just yeah like the the mythology of it I guess because clearly she has an understanding of what Edward is and she's right about it so she might she just might have some information that might be pertinent and helpful. So I kind of like Bella's theory that, you know, Edward is seeing if she has any information on this because everyone is pretty dumbfounded right now. Um, but yeah, other than that, I genuinely don't know what they talk about. Yeah, fair enough. Um, this is like on topic, but also not on topic. But I do want to just make a quick statement that Bella refers to the language that they are speaking in, which to me, it was clear that they began speaking in um, Quare's native language, which I'm assuming is some sort of indigenous dialect. Um, she called it an alien tongue. That's not a word that we should use when talking about people that of a culture that are different from you. Just putting that out there. Oh, yeah. And I mean, how what a what an opportunity for Bella to get to hear this dialect that I'm it's so unique and I'm sure she's heard nothing like it and that's the way she describes it I'm like oh, like hearing a language that you've never heard before that's so cool and yeah it seems like such a waste yeah I agree um, yeah, I won't say my theories. I mean, we can talk about them later on. Because, yeah, it's never really cleared up on what was talked about here. But don't want to spoil anything at the moment. I'm sure whatever they do talk about is correct. And whatever whatever they do talk about lines up with what's to come. Interesting. Okay. What do you think about this whole Rosalie thing? I don't know. I, I, I guess, you know, Bella has been not in this realm of thought her entire life that, and I, I don't think that she can really talk with her. I don't, I, I feel like she might feel a little weird talking about it with her mom and like, she definitely can't talk about it with Charlie. So like reaching out, Alice has never expressed really any interest in kids. So like, this might be a person other than Esme, really, that she could draw some kind of aid or 
insight from about like what to expect or what feeling she's supposed to have like I think that maybe this will bring them I hope it brings them closer that would be nice yeah really that would be um okay do you have any other thoughts from this chapter uh I I don't I I I guess the the one final thing is that when Edward says, like, don't listen to her, like, I'm, she, what she said isn't true, like, don't listen. It, he's trying to comfort Bella in this. And the only word that Bella has understood was the de the word that's associated with death. And if I were Edward, I would assume that that would be the only thing that Bella probably picked up on. And so to me, it seems like he's trying to refute that to her. Like he's trying to say, don't listen to her. Like the baby is not, it's not an undead creature or it's not this, which it is so all opposite of the way that he's been acting in the rest of this chapter. Like, it seems like in a way he like, I don't know, maybe he might be warming up to the idea. I don't know. Interesting. Okay. The conversation you think the conversation with Corey like might have changed something in his perspective is that kind of what you're saying yeah like it 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 feels like a different tone than the Edward we had previously had in this chapter okay interesting well for next week um I do feel like I just got to say this I could leave you to discover it but I'm not going to so this Breaking Dawn is divided into three quote-unquote books, like sections, you know? Mm -hmm. And we are now entering book two, which is um, narrated by Jacob. So the, the reason I tell you that is because for next week we are reading chapter eight, the title of which is Waiting for the Damn Fight to Start Already. <laughs> and I knew that if I told you that was the name of the next chapter, you'd be like, what the fuck is Bella talking about? Um... So I have a suspicion that perhaps we will have jumped a little, a little bit maybe into the, into the future. I could see this being some kind of reaction of the wolves um, finding out about Bella's pregnancy um, and thus it being a fight or maybe I, I I don't know. I could I just I think it's gonna be maybe a little bit into the future. And maybe this is Jacob confronting Bella about the pregnancy they know, but this is the first time that he's talking with her about it or with Edward about it. So I think there's gonna be a little jump in the future and very clearly some kind of confrontation is about to go down and it's I just suspect that it's gonna be baby themed. Okay. How do you feel about Jacob having his own narrative section? Uh, it's hard to hard to say. I'm I'll be interested to because we haven't really gotten a lot from his perspective, like I think only one one chapter-ish. So it'll be interesting to hear his voice in a more drawn out way. But I just feel like I keep going back and forth with how I feel about him. And I just don't want it to be hard to read. I don't want it to be bad, but that might be asking too much. 
Fair enough, friend. Well, we will find what is in store for us next week. But hope you all enjoyed this live reading and kind of the weirdness of the sound. Um, sorry about that, but trust me, it will make it better for all of us. Paige loved seeing your reactions slash hearing your reactions. I'm I'm glad I could uh, bring a party to your eyeballs. <laughs> Do you want to go over how people can reach us? Sure. Um, Tina's here too, so if you hear any squawking, that's her. Um, if you'd like to reach out to us, we've been having quite a bit of messages and we are obsessed with it. So let's just keep the party rolling. Um, if you'd like to reach out to us on Instagram or on Tumblr, you can find us at Tuesdays are for Twilight. Our Twitter handle is a little different. You can find us there at Taft Pod. If you'd like to send us an email, something long form, you can email us at Tuesdays are for Twilight at gmail.com. If you feel so inclined to donate to our Patreon, you can find us on patreon.com slash Tuesdays are for Twilight. And as always, we encourage you to check out the Quileutes and their efforts to move their cultural land to higher ground. You can read about it. You can donate, you know, just spread the word. You can find out more about it at www.mthg.org. And also, if I, I do you remember when we used to say uh, rate, rate and subscribe or give us a five star rating or something? You remember when we used to say that? Yeah, we said it like twice and then we forgot. <laughs> if you want to give us, you if you want to rate and subscribe on, I don't know, app, Apple, iTunes, what is it? Yeah, Apple Podcasts and Spotify let you rate and subscribe. And then on Apple Podcasts, you can also write a review. So if you want to do that, you just go right on ahead and do that. We would appreciate it. All right, Paige, what do you got for him? Keep this in mind. Life is like soup. The soup is gonna your the soup is gonna be boring if you don't add stuff to it. You are just gonna have boiling water if you don't add some spices, some carrots, some potatoes, some celeries. I you know, I like to add a little protein in there, maybe a little shrimp. Um, so don't let don't let life be just a boiling pot of water. Add some spices to your life. Add some potatoes to your life, like literally and metaphorically. Put some put some parsley in there. Make your life your soup. Do it. Be a soup gourly. Be a soup boy. Be a soup demi. Make your life soup. Once again, wise words from the one and only Paige. We will see you next week for chapter eight of Breaking Dawn. Bye, y'all. Bye. Our amazing intro and outro music was performed by Danny Plowman and produced by Alberto Beltran. You can follow Danny at Danimal6, and that's six the word, not six the number, Danimal6 underscore on Instagram. 